This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 24th of October 2023 at home in Wicklow. And it is an episode that is largely focused on the things we don't say, the things we cannot say, and the resulting tension, the resulting hurt that comes from that. And for most of the episode, I'm focusing on the the interpersonal. I'm focusing on the internal landscape. Um, I'm focusing on relationships and the idea of dislocation and ecosystems within relationships and changing geography and landscapes of relationships. Um, and, you know, again, the, you know, the, 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 the negative consequences of that. Um, and I finished the episode looking at what can't be said um, on the international um, platform, particularly, uh, specifically in relation to what's playing out in Israel and Gaza and the reluctance of so many major players in the international scene to condemn what uh, Israel are doing in Gaza. And I explore that with a little bit of nuance, I hope, um, because it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a concern and there are dire consequences in, in, in that area when stronger voices are not being heard um, and are not, are not being allowed to speak. And I'm sort of fascinated by that. Okay, so that's what's coming up. I hope that sounds like it's of interest to you. And I'll see you there around the corner. Cheers. Not gonna change my mind. Leaving the dream behind. my Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to the Clear Out. You're very welcome. Good to have you. Good to have you here. Thanks. Thanks for choosing me. Thanks for choosing this podcast above all others uh, if you're a return visitor welcome back a return listener and if it's your first time you're very welcome indeed thank you for entering this space this zone this area of contemplation reflection dissertation and other other things I'm just back from a walk in the woods with Pepper the dog. Uh, there's been a lot of rain, a lot of rain here. I guess connected to Storm Babat, not Babet, but Babat, I think is what I read. Um, different parts of the country were blasted. Um, so, yeah, just a bit of a wet spell in general. But it was a brief reprieve there, so I had a walk in the woods, the wet woods, a lot of a lot of um, water logged parts of the path and water running along the ground down the, the hill in the woods. Uh, but kind of lovely, kind of lovely. A little bit of daylight breaking through, a little bit of blue sky. And of course, as previously reported, it is autumn. It is the fall. And the leaves are really starting to, to show off their colours Um and it's just gorgeous. So that was nice. 
that was nice nice to go into the woods and smell that post rain air to inhale that post rain air it's a particular class of freshness it's a particular it has, a, it has an almost sweetness to it is how I, I feel about it and I thought it'd be a good idea just to have a stroll and take in some of that fresh air in that window before sitting down here to do what I do on this thing that I often refer to as the tell because it's not a show it's a tell and today the telling is connected to speaking so they're related aren't they I'm telling you they're related um I'm just trying to think if there's any other business before I get to the the matter at hand probably not the the rugby world cup is finally making its way to the to the the natural end point which is going to feature two southern hemisphere behemoths the all blacks who conquered vanquished uh broken-hearted ireland last week um or sorry by the time this comes out we're talking a week and a half ago they uh rolled over um a very feeble argentina on friday night in a non-event a non-contest and south africa stepped into an absolute brawl against england on saturday night and england brought a ferocity that they had not hinted they were capable of and gave south africa a real fright before south africa ultimately triumphed thanks to their their scrum the scrum it's a good word isn't it scrum i like that word scrum what do you do i'm a scrummager a scrummager <laughs> can i have a scrummage in your drawers that's a rummager um scrummaging scrummage scrum good words anyway the, the <laughs> and it's hard to it's hard to refer to the scrum in rugby union uh without adding the clause the dark arts of the scrum because it seems to be a mystery to anyone but scrummagers um those very big men and i, I presume i don't watch the women's rugby game but presumably big women in the women's game um it's a very particular skill set um it's it's this particularly muscular and brutal and highly pressurized um clash that happens in the world of physics and angles and distribution of weight and angle of pressure all play key roles and are bound up with seven others all locked into this heaving entity of grunt um and gristle and bloody mindedness um i mean the pressure those players must be under physically around their necks and shoulders and backs oh my goodness and um we just watch watch in awe and wait to see what's going to happen will the ball come out or will the referee as he did as he did on saturday night will he raise his hand and go penalty because your scrum was not good your scrum was bad and this scrum was good 
and they get a penalty and that was the penalty that ultimately won South Africa the game thanks to an enormous um, cold-blooded winning kick from Andre Pollard a 49 metre kick between the posts it's very impressive and I'm not going to lie I was very relieved I did not want to see England get through even though I had great great unambiguous admiration for their efforts on Saturday night they absolutely brought it when it mattered but again they benefited from a pretty easy draw they had loads left in the tank and horrible wet conditions and South Africa were rattled and couldn't execute their game plan but they found a way as winning teams do so anyway there you go that's the rugby bulletin let's wait and see what happens in the final on Saturday night I have no sense of either team could win it depending on which way the wind blows um, but yeah hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's a contest worthy of a World Cup final that's that's thrown up some pretty big games and Ireland were involved in two absolute classics against South Africa and New Zealand South Africa were involved in two already themselves well three now themselves because against us and against France and now against England they've had a they've had a tougher road so yeah so the All Blacks have had an easier road let's see let's see if that comes into play I don't know um it's fascinating that stuff oh I did have one final thought one final thought for those of you who care about these things um the I was thinking about the the game between New Zealand and Ireland two weekends ago and it was bizarre upon reflection to come to the conclusion that in that game New Zealand were bringing all the energy of underdogs they were bringing all the energy of being underrated and being maligned and invigorated and incensed and motivated by being underrated and it occurred to me that how they played against us was how we played for many, many years any time we played England. And like England being the old enemy, the occupying force, the great bully boys of our history. Um, and we would tear into those games with a tremendous ferocity, sometimes against the odds, just because of the, the niggle, just because of the history, just because of the, that relationship. And yeah in the middle of last week i was like oh yeah right that's the kiwis came to us with that attitude like we had somehow become their oppressors um only in the rugby sense and they came with such a thirst for revenge um and it served them really well because it gave them that advantage that we struggled to overcome on the, on the scoreboard and ultimately we were chasing the game for the rest of the match and we in our innocence in our purity of heart thought our rugby having been good enough would be good enough again without the extra motivation of grudge without the extra motivation of we have been slighted we have been insulted and um yeah it's it's kind of interesting i think from a, a psychological point of view that it's it's good it's good to feel you've got something to prove um if you can 
if you can channel that and marshal that and apply it with um, a precise and incisive strategy in, in you know, on the field of battle um, yeah interesting I mean if you take take that across to, to martial arts um, I mean I was a I tried to stay in this place of, of you know non-emotionality um, access a desire to compete uh, I tried to access a sort of a fieriness and a commitment to battle but I that's not the same as being emotional um, or feeling you know and I know the difference because you know a couple of times over many years of training I'd find myself oh I'm actually angry now <laughs> and you could see the the kind of the dynamic change and the the look in the you know the opponent's eyes um and that's not that's not the place to be it's not the place to be and i witnessed it many times as an instructor or training with other people and that is not you know th- that's kind of antithetical antithetical um, you know in the world of traditional martial arts it's it's control that and channel that energy into better karate um, you know, better application of technique, better strategizing, better management of the exchange. Um, okay, anyway, there you go. So, any anything else? I'm not sure. I, I nothing is, is is jumping in my head. But a couple of things have come up, and that is what I want to talk about today. I said I want to talk about something to do with speaking, and I'm not talking about public speaking. I am talking about speaking as a form of essential communication you know and you know if if you want to use the phrase speaking one's truth i guess that's applicable here although as always when these um these phrases kind of come into the general vernacular they, they lose a bit of their impact and they can they can just get a bit hollowed out um but a couple of things came up last week one was a conversation with a friend who has found himself at odds with um you know many of his family members his his siblings and it's been a sort of an ongoing um experience of estrangement and conflict and hurt um and probably you know misconstrual um confusion misunderstanding misinterpretation and it's been going on for quite a long time and he found himself with an opportunity to speak to a psychologist um and the psychologist was very sympathetic to his position and felt he was doing as well as he could under the circumstances um and that there was a very large chance his family members actually had a lot of admiration for him and really valued the path he had, has walked in his life and the type of person he's become and the role he's played in the family. Um, and I thought that was interesting because it's you know it's something I recognise within my own family the 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 permission given by family members to. To allow you to 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 be in a certain role, and when you try to change your role in the family, there's often a lot of resistance 
because it's a threat to the the ecosystem of of the family um but it seems to me that within that tension of we don't want you to be that way we want you to be this way and this thing that you're doing is challenging our sense of stability and our sense of what we can manage or cope with or understand within years and years and years of established dynamics so stop don't don't change anything now because you know just stay where you're meant to be um and while I kind of understand that as an idea and I understand and I, and I recognize it as a as a as an experienced dynamic um as I've had experience of that in in certain areas of my life with my own siblings and family um what I came away with having heard this account from my friend was the things that are unsaid and the the, the, the the convictions that go unspoken, uncommunicated, that remain sort of locked in a, a much deeper place. And I mean, I've spoken before about the, the concept of hexiety. The, the 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 idea of you know hexiety describes the thing in you the quality in you that makes you you that makes one one um so it's your defining identifying kind of characteristic or trait uh your essence if you will and i've argued in previous episodes of the podcast that I like to think of that idea as something that is a deep truth that lives within us and a deep understanding of self that lives within us. And a lot of the time we're very, we're aware of that, not in an explicit way, but in a sort of a subconscious way, a sort of an energy that we hold a rumbling that we feel within um, that we don't always, I mean, don't always, often don't feel at all comfortable um, engaging with or looking, you know, looking in the eye or uncovering and bringing to the fore. Um, and yet we, we know it's there, like deep down, we know there's this, all seeing, all knowing, all feeling truth within us that knows us intimately, that knows us better than anyone else could ever possibly know us. Um, and I like to frame that conviction or belief in, in benign terms rather than making it something to be fearful of, rather than making it something that's ominous, to to regard it more as something that is a presence within us or a sense of understanding within us that is watchful, mindful, non-judgmental, non-interfering, but always has our best interests at heart, wants us to do well, ultimately. And... If I 
if I tether that to the idea or the, you know, the, the, the cliche, the truism of, you know, the truth will set you free. Um, it's because I believe in that, you know, on a, on a, on a deep level, I believe that ultimately the, the removal of layers, the removal of layers of protection, of obfuscation, of, um, you know, uh, the removal of different poses or shapes or faces that we present to the world or adopt to help us negotiate the day-to-day, you know, demands of life. I think once we strip all that stuff away, we get down to our base state which is where which is where we really live i believe <laughs> it's very and i mean i come back to this again and again in one form or another i reiterate this this uh, conviction that i have that everything is being driven everything is being driven by this base state these convictions that we have about ourselves um, on a on a deep unspoken level, and it's if you if you know if you if you're open to that idea, if you believe hmm, you know, and you might not articulate it the same way as me, but if you essentially go yeah, that that feels kind of right, um, and then stop and go well, it's really and you know if you stop and then acknowledge that it's really difficult to engage with that, it's really difficult to comprehend that. It's really difficult to unpack that and the the art of revealing ourselves to ourselves is is tremendously difficult um for for many many reasons um and it is because of the the you know the 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 complexity of our personalities the complexity of how we evolve the complexity of how we interact with others the, the the complexity of who is in our lives the impact they have on us the complexity of how we negotiate on a day-to-day week-to-week month-to-month year-to-year basis how we negotiate the hand we've been dealt how we continue to to strive to to adapt to compromise, how we continue to yearn, how we continue to ache, to hurt, um, and how we continue to just try and blunder our way through. Um, That all is tantamount to making us complex, complex and nuanced and many layered individuals. Um, and sometimes, sometimes the difficulty lies in the, the, the very mundane reality of the busyness of our lives and the very many other demands that are made of us, um, and to, to try and find time or, or make time or find the professional space find the the, the, the the peaceful reflective solitude to find the the energy the desire the will to to lift the lid 
to sit down and start rearranging the warehouse um, to look up and see hundreds of thousands of boxes and go, one of these boxes contains my truth. <laughs> but they all, they all look identical. And it's like, well, where, where do I begin? Where is it? Is it this one here at the front, on the bottom? Is it at the top? Is it at the back? Is it in the middle? Um, and as I say, like sometimes just the day-to-day demands of living um, preclude the luxury of headspace, the luxury of energy being right, um, which I'm a big believer in. I'm a big believer in the energy's right, the energy's wrong. How am I feeling? What do I have the capacity for? And, you know, stress, stress and the frantic mind and, you know, so many different things just pull us away from that calmness and confidence that can feed our sense of resolve, our sense of resilience um, and give us the you know the 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 emotional confidence to ally with a determination to do the work um and again that's one of those phrases do the work do the work on oneself um if you know and again you might be sitting there you might be whatever you're doing you might be listening and going "Eh? i don't need to do the work i'm great (laughs) what are you talking about I'm absolutely fine. Life's good. I don't have any itch I need to scratch. And I have to put my hand up and go, well, maybe this is just my obsession. And this is absolutely solipsistic and self-centered. Um, I, I, and I'm not saying that facetiously. I'm saying that like genuinely, sincerely. I, you know, I, I recognize where my interests lie and I understand that that is very much connected to my own sense of self, my own um, lived experience, my you know that the frame that I so often drop on on my interpersonal uh, relationships, on the people I care about, my friendships, family members, my wife, my daughter, myself, um, the frame I drop on how I interact with the rest of the world. It all comes back to this place of of understanding and um, sort of carving away at this rock to you know in in the attempt to reveal more in the, the attempt in the attempt to get to something that's irreducible and I mean and that's a through line in a lot of my thinking in a lot of the you know, the episodes of the podcast historically, the think pieces I used to write on, on my blog um, before I launched the podcast. And, you know, very little happens to me that makes me deviate from those convictions and those interests. Um, and when I get most stressed is when I travel furthest from those convictions. It's when I'm forced by life to change my orientation and look in very different corners of the room um, because of external 
requirements, external demands, external contingencies, um, external realities. And I get very bristly and resentful. Um, and that, you know, that, and, and that, that creates a tension. It creates a tension in me. I know that that's an ongoing tension within my marriage because I know my, my wife would view that frame and how I talk about it um, as an, a reluctance to step into the world of um, real grown-up decisions and regular jobs that we don't love to do and that type of compromise. Um, and I don't invalidate that position, but you know, my wife has a particular viewpoint based on her experiences particularly over the last 10 to 15 years um you know so we 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 view we view problem solving very differently um and that's a battle that 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 continues to be a battle for us um and has you know caused us a lot of of stress in in our relationship and definitely informed times of really intense sort of alienation and estrangement um, and hurt and so then I circle back to the starting point of this which comes back to what truths can be spoken what can be said and I think with long relationships whether it's sibling relationships family relationships long deep friendships romantic relationships um romantic partnerships um there's there's a there's an i'm not sure what the phrase is here or how i want to describe it but there's there's a cost there's a cost to longevity. There's a cost to a relationship lasting for a long time. Um, because a relationship continues to shift and move and twist and deviate from what it once was and I think there's a strange dislocation that can happen within lifelong relationships there's I think there's an understanding and a recognition that okay this is this is a lifelong relationship this is um this is an attachment or a tethering or um an adhesion <laughs> that isn't probably going to be undone that isn't going to be cleaved apart um there's a a sense of you know, if, you, if, you, if these words sound negative, they're not meant to, but a sense of resignation, fatalism, inevitability, 
um, unstoppability and that can bring a sense of fatigue that can bring a sense of defeat that can bring I think real complacency um, and this 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 idea goes all the way back to the first episode of the podcast because that complacency I think is where a lot of damage can be done that sort of idea of taking the other for granted working constantly with the assumption that eh, they're not going anywhere they'll still be here in a year so I don't actually have to say anything um, and I hate that personally I can't stand it um, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean there's an easy solution to it um, and see what I, I think what I, when I talked about when I, when I mentioned that, that that idea of dislocation it's it's an opting out that's how I think of it whether it's conscious or not there's a sort of a stepping out of the slipstream of the relationship and just going I'm just going to be here by myself doing my own thing and we do that I've done it I do it Um, we do that because it's too difficult to do the work to keep things in a place that is optimal in a place that is more fully functional more fully thriving more um, you know more emotionally and communicatively healthy and inevitably because we've opted out there's there's a separation if the other person keeps going or if they've also they're kind of deviating on another path within this relationship that's always there and i think then what happens is there's a with that dislocation becomes becomes you know a changed geography within the relationship and changed geography means changed landscapes it means changed perspectives changed viewing points changed orientation and suddenly a, a, a relationship that was quite aligned and moving along the same sort of track and enjoying the same moments um, is really living in two very different spaces um, and I have I've made this argument before the idea of you know the idea of sort of reference points the idea of orientation um you know the idea of that sort of geography of the ecosystem of a relationship being a very you know a very real part of how a relationship can function well or not well um and so i think what happens is then people as they 
kind of forge a new ecosystem or carve out a little different corner of the ecosystem within the relationship um there's a there's a sort of a, a fulminating process and a ruminating process again that happens consciously or not but things build and the un the undemonstrated builds the unspoken builds and i think that's where a lot of hurt and resentment and judgment thrive they thrive in that that isolation they thrive in that separation and the 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 sort of um the stockpiling of of those things the stockpiling of hurt of resentment of judgment the 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 turning of the valve higher to a greater sense of of again for the third time i'm using these words the greater sense of alienation of estrangement of distancing makes makes strangers of us and I think it can happen anywhere. I think it can happen to anyone. I think it can happen to any relationship. And I think it's very painful. I think it's very, very painful and very, um, it's very destructive. It's very instructive to, I think, our sense of internal wellness because we carry a wound and we carry a sense of hurt but we're not talking about it. So it's just this very distinctly unwell part of ourselves that ends up being neglected. And the, the, you know, the demands of life and the, the demands of the relationship, they continue. And we just you know, we, we, <laughs> we just soldier on, you know, whoever we are, you know, we, we, we get on with things and it's like, it's like life accelerates us past these moments. And the more of these little, you know, these departures from the track, the more of these experiences of dislocation occur along the way even though there will be comings together, I think intermittently and in, and in an ongoing way, um, there's an accumulation of, of, of the sense of, of wound and an accumulation of the sense of being unheard or misunderstood. And when you throw that into the mix of the, 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 the complexity of self, and this layering that we do where we're, tr- you know, I think many of us are just doing our best. That's my conviction. Um, you know, apart from the, you know, the true psychopaths and sociopaths in the world, most of us on, you know, most of us who, you know, most of us sit in a reasonable section of, of the spectrum 
and are functioning as best we can and doing our best and have reasonably good intentions um and i think what a lot of us do is we you know and, and this is such a human trait i think you know our our adaptability and you know our our adaptability is such a important um an important important aspect of of how we survive and how humans have always survived our incredible adaptability and how we adapt to the worst scenarios and the worst situations and our ability to endure and our ability to absorb um and I know that is a there's a huge scale in which to drop that idea a huge scale of what anyone may or may not experience in their lives but it is I think a defining characteristic of what it is to be human the the survival instinct the survival impulse what we'll do to make it through another night to get to another dawn um and within a reasonable scale of experience you know we can call that resilience and if we step into that wellness sphere um and how we mind ourselves and self-care i mean i'm a huge fan of the idea of resilience i'm a huge fan of that idea of having a certain amount of toughness and a certain amount of courage to face into difficult things because i I do think it serves us uh and i do think there's huge learning um in facing difficult times difficult events uh and facing difficult aspects of ourselves the 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 risk of course is when resilience becomes an armor that we don't know how to take off and then it's very hard to be open and very hard to be vulnerable and very hard to be soft and that i mean arguably that may be more true of men than women i'm not sure but you know I, i don't really think so Again, we all have our different coping mechanisms um, and most of those coping mechanisms are a way of self-protecting. They're a way of deflecting um, and they're a way of sort of turning our wound away from the, you know, the spiky parts of life because we don't want to be pricked there, if you'll forgive the phrase. Um, and so we, you know, we hold ourselves in a particular way we turn ourselves in a different way we orientate our orientate or orient orientate ourselves in a different way um and part of that orientation part of that self-protection part of that self-preservation often i think comes back to this idea of i just can't say i can't express this sense of whatever it is i'm feeling i can't express this i can't speak about it it's too monstrous it's too mountainous it's too huge it's become too powerful and it's just so difficult to strip back all the stuff and go i feel like this because of this and to really strip it down to i feel afraid i feel hurt i feel rejected uh i feel really angry and I'm angry because that hurt. Um, I'm angry because I'm I'm scared and I don't like feeling scared and feeling scared makes me angry. 
um, and I, you know, I, 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 I wasn't intending to. <laughs> I wasn't intending there to represent my own state, but there are definitely elements of truth in that. And I mean, my negotiation of my own anger has been a theme that I've spoken about fairly regularly at different times on the podcast. And I know it's, I, I know my anger is connected to those. My, my anger is connected to fear of failure. My anger is connected to fear of, 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 of being rejected, fear of the loss of love, fear of of just being inadequate, um, fear of not being able to to punch through the mess of life um, with something valuable that is an expression of what I care about and who I am. Um, I know that you know, and I feel that that's what my anger is is connected to. Um, and you know, I try to deal with that, and you know, by doing things like this podcast, <laughs> and you know, investigating uh, and examining my own mental state, my own emotional state, you know, really examining my own behaviour. Um, I'm always interested in areas of of of, of weakness, of of areas where I feel I'm failing or not doing as well as I might. Um, I'm interested in understanding them rather than judging them so I have a chance to do better so I'll be better for the other people in my life uh, better for myself and um, you know that that's I think that is an important a really important um, part of the discussion if if I if I just digress for a moment and talk about anger because I, I had a, a conversation um, a, with a friend a good friend just in the last in the last 24 hours and he was talking about his son and his son you know smashing something um his teenage son and i was just saying yeah i really recognize that behavior um with my own um history of uh how i've expressed my anger different times and lashing out and smashing things and punching walls and punching myself um, when I'm really frustrated um, um, and I was just talking to my friend about the idea of you know, you know the importance of finding compassion for ourselves and finding that place where we can sort of embrace ourselves and calm ourselves and go you know, turn that parental, you know, love on ourselves and go, I know you're hurting, I know you're upset, I know you're angry, um, and that's okay. Um, because I, I don't, I never want to invalidate anger as an as an emotional expression of something important. Um, like, it, it, it comes from somewhere. And that's always where my interest ultimately goes, even though, when I get angry, I can feel like I'm failing. I can feel very judgmental about myself. And especially when it's impacting, uh, you know, my daughter, when it's impacting my wife, particularly those two, because they'd be, they'd be witness to it more than others. Um, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's not a feeling I enjoy, but 
sometimes it's easier to go, oh, well, you know, I'm angry and I, I'm sorry I got angry. That's easier than going, where is this really coming from? And see, then it comes back to what am I, you know, what's not being spoken? What's not being said? What's left unexamined? What's just, what's just beyond reach in terms of where my, you know, where my spotlight is turned? You know, it's it's the <laughs> it's the escapee from prison, just just hiding over in the corner where the spotlight can't reach, the searchlight can't reach, um, and that's you know that's you know that that's another way to think of it, the you know the thing that's trapped, the thing that's imprisoned, and wants to escape but doesn't want to be seen, um, and there's a tension there. Um, within us and uh, yeah to 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 you know to to step back to the the original thread here of the difficulty of speaking the difficulty of the difficulty of saying what's really going on um you know i'm hurt i'm angry i'm 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 frustrated with you because i feel threatened by this behavior and it makes me question myself you know, for example, um, and yeah, it's 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 interesting to to move away, you know, from from the general and the interpersonal, um, and to move over to, uh, you know, it may it may seem like a strange thing to look at in this context, but with the this conflict that's playing out at the moment in the Middle East between you know Israel and Gaza and the the eruption of um, you know the, the eruption of controversy and divided opinion around how the international community is reacting to this and also the the reaction of different Jewish communities around the world. Um, it's really interesting because there is something that is very connected to what I'm talking about. The very connected to this idea of what is not being said, what is unspoken, and what people are really uncomfortable speaking about or saying. And that is that Israel are committing war crimes. They are guilty of collective punishment um, in Gaza. And there are very, very few critical voices in the international community who are condemning this and going, this is not acceptable. Um, And I read an article the other day, which was basically about the reaction of different Jewish communities in England and how they're how they are struggling with what they feel comfortable saying um, how they are struggling with coming out and being critical of Israel's um, aggression and um, their response to the the, the attack in uh, in Israel on October the 7th by Hamas 
which was a horrible terrorist attack that resulted in a huge loss of life um and um that's not really you know that's not really a gray area for me um I, i mean i hesitated to speak about it a couple of episodes ago um you know terrorism acts of terrorism um you know bombings uh mass shootings uh are are horrible they're repellent um there's they really are just um this horrible expression of of hatred they're a repulsive expression of political convictions and it's one thing when the victims of terrorism are you know what i think what the ira used to call legitimate targets the irish republican army used to call legitimate targets if you're talking about other uh, military operatives if you're talking about political figures um I can accommodate that with greater comfort. I can kind of go, well, that makes sense because that's a that's an instrument of oppression. That's an instrument um, of the the occupying state. That's an instrument of the the enemy, um, and the enemy understands that we're at war. Um, but I've never rejoiced in in the death of anyone that's come at the hands of a a terrorist organization even if i feel the the political motivation behind the act of terrorism is legitimate um and so i think there's a legitimate a legitimacy to organizations like hamas um like hezbollah like you know i felt like the ira had a legitimacy but I don't I don't struggle to go I don't think you should be blowing people up I don't think you should be machine gunning people attending a concert um, that's that's not a grey area for me and similarly I don't have any problem condemning Israel's disproportionate response I don't have any issue condemning Israel's prolonged what is it 56 year occupation of Gaza, the ongoing aggressive stance of Israel in occupying land, um, and I condemn an international community that has stayed silent for so long. Um, but this is something, and this is what I took away from that article that I read. Just reading the very you know, you know, reading different representatives from different Jewish bodies or groups in England. And clearly, they're afraid to speak as well. They're afraid to come out and go, we don't approve of this. This doesn't represent our values. It doesn't represent who we are as a people. And of course, let's just recognize very quickly, there is no monolithic Jewish identity. There are lots of different expressions of Jewish identity, of ways to live um, with you know Judaism um, and... I think many of them are a million miles from Israeli military uh, aggression. And 
again, Israel is has been for what fourteen years under the leadership of an extreme, extremely hawkish leader in Benjamin Benjamin Netanyahu. Um, so it's you know if if you kind of draw back and go like the the idea that Israeli intelligence didn't know about um, the the attack that was planned by Hamas is hard to believe and it's conceivable I think that Israel would have you know Israeli intelligence would have notified the government and the government may have gone let's let this happen and that will give us the excuse we've been waiting for to go in and destroy Gaza and attack really hard with our uh, you know with our military might and um, definitively clean house so to speak um, that's conceivable isn't it um, and I mean it's a, it's a, it's a dirty war um, but I must say I, I, I did feel and I do feel that there's a parallel here with the attack on October 7th in Israel there's a parallel between that and the 9-11 attacks on the Twin Towers in 2001 because I feel that this is a case of you know Israel's reaction and the their sense of you know this this is an unprecedented atrocity similarly you know, in in America in two thousand and one, like that, that this was an un, that was an unprecedented terrorist attack on American soil, but there was a sense of I certainly had a sense of you know the slapper being slapped, the bully being struck back, and you know America's long history of interventionist imperialist politics and dirty wars in different parts of the world serving their own interests and the the deaths that resulted the civilian deaths that resulted because of their politics and interference in different regimes um, around the world you know in central and south america particularly i would argue um i would draw a parallel between that and israel's aggressive um occupation um and stance historically um you know in relation to 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 gaza and the west bank um and i'm i'm you know i'm struck by how how there hasn't been the same sort of outcry for atrocities committed by you know israeli you know military offenses or american military offenses over you know you know over the years but suddenly and i think this was such a wrong-headed move by ursula van der leyen at the eu to run up you know israeli flags after the october 7th attack um it's like no this is not this is not the position to be taking and if you're going to run up israeli flags you better start running up palestinian flags as well and condemn you know support the victims on both sides of this conflict um and to 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 draw this back to what is not allowed to be said again from that article it was clear that in those jewish communities there were people going "Uh, i can't you know there's a reluctance or an inability to come out and speak 
and it's all about the fear of recrimination um and in the last week um an irish businessman uh paddy cosgrave who was the ceo of a company called web summit um a very successful tech group uh he came out and took a position that was very clear and he was like these are war crimes yeah, that, that israel is guilty of um they need to be condemned in very clear terms even if they are allies you know war crimes are war crimes and i'm i feel that's a very reasonable thing to say and you know if i'm critical of israel and i think if anybody's critical of israel being critical of israel is not anti-semitism it doesn't mean you're discriminating against jews um i reject that idea completely um but paddy cosgrave has had to step down from that role and lots of high profile companies tech companies and celebrities withdrew their support from web summit they had some big event coming up in the next few weeks and they've all gone nah we're not on board anymore and i find that extraordinary i find it extraordinary that people can't stand up and have moral convictions and keep them you know separate from their their business practices um now as i say i'm not saying I'm not saying that I'm shocked. I thought like, I'm not shocked as such, but you're like, what the hell? How is this something that is not allowed to be said? How, how is Israel so protected? How, how does Israel exert so much power that if somebody is critical of what they're doing? that it can cost them their job and it can cost them endorsements and it can cost them the support of the highest profile organizations in the world um because i don't think condemning what israel is doing in gaza i don't think that's a controversial position and i don't think condemning hamas and that act of terrorism is controversial either um but again we're in this area of the 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 unspoken and what's allowed to be said and what's not allowed to be said and i detest this because in the world of politics it's so deeply cynical it's so deeply dishonest it's so deeply immoral and unethical and i just despise that um because i think there's such moral cowardice i mean deplorable moral cowardice in in being silent um it's yeah it's it's i just find it despicable and you know politics of course is all about hedging it's all about the preserving um you know preserving self-interest um and it's it's about power it's about money 
it's about allegiances and it really it, it shows us the worst of ourselves unfortunately and i mean now more than ever we need greater political courage and moral courage in the world when you know we're living in, in, in such a fractured we're you know we're living in such a fractured world at the moment um and you know if this is just another flashpoint to indicate the the kind of venality and corruption and cowardice of major power players in the world um you just kind of throw your hands up and go what the hell is wrong with people you know who raised it's so funny isn't it i come back and i think who raised these people you know you know who were their parents you know these leaders of these companies and of countries who can't come out and go this is just wrong i'm sorry it's wrong and yeah i don't know and then i go this is why i'm I'm more interested in individuals and this is why i spend so much of my time contemplating you know the the interior landscape because i feel it's more workable i i feel positive results are more po- are more possible more attainable more likely um you know there's there's there, there's more likely to be a gratifying outcome um and that's not something anyone's ever said about the, the conflicts in the middle east um and I'm just telling you, just in case there's any confusion, I have nothing but sympathy for the victims on both sides of that horrible conflict that's playing out um, at the moment. Nothing but sympathy for the family members who've lost people, um, whether in Palestine, you know, in Gaza, or in you know, or in Israel. Um, you know, when has this ever served anyone? Uh, yeah i don't know I, 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 I don't want to end on a cynical note but there's there, there has to be we have to get to a place just like you know south africa got to a place just like northern ireland got to a place and i did a whole episode on those post-conflict processes you know truth and reconciliation the complexity of of becoming disentangled um you know from 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 blood conflict um and you know israel and palestine hamas hezbollah whatever they all have to find a way to go this can't this can't go on this cannot go on there has to be a way to 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 peace and cohabitation um because it's 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 just not sustainable um there can't be there can't be any positive outcome if it's all rooted in bloodshed, hatred, enmity, revenge, uh, punishment. You know, that idea of we're going to punish you, we're going to make you pay. It's, um, yeah. When has is, when is that ever ended well? Okay, I, can, can I end this well? Um, I'm, I'm just, I just have to stop talking about that and go and go and go i'm going to go that's what i'm going to do um okay so that's it that's it for another week um thank you for listening thank you for staying with this i hope you got something from it i hope it uh, turned your head in another direction 
um, or maybe you were predisposed to to looking in the same direction as me. But um, thanks, thanks for your time. Thank you for giving me the last sixty five minutes or so. I am very grateful. And as always, if you want to throw me some love on social media, that would be lovely. And some people do. I see you. I see you, people. Um, it really does. It means a lot to me <laughs> personally, because I tell you what, there are times, there are times when I, I feel like going, what am I doing? What am I doing here? Let's just pack this in. So getting that bit of support, um, all the links to the social media uh, platforms are there wherever you're listening to this. Um, and if you want to reward me for this ongoing effort, this work that I try to do on a weekly basis, which does require quite a bit of um, mental and emotional work to come onto this mic once a week and lay these things out before you. It does take a bit of effort. So you can support that using the Patreon link. That's patreon.com forward slash the clear out for the price of a coffee, a tea, a drink, a sandwich. And that is also a great endorsement of, of what I'm doing here and makes me go, yeah, I'm not a complete idiot. I'm not wasting my time doing this thing. So do what you can. And if you can't do that with, with uh, your hand in your pocket, just spread the word if you think this is worth sharing and give me a review rate the podcast all that stuff really helps um but ultimately if you're listening to this that means you have listened and i thank you for your time okay stay safe stay well stay positive stay resilient mind yourselves i'll talk to you soon all the best bye (laughs)